Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Well, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer is rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. We are back. Tom Bernard shows car. Swar Brothers are in studio. They're at Acme this week. Uh, sold out the 8 o'clock show tonight and tomorrow night. And tickets are going fast for the two 10.30 shows. So you know what I'm saying. Yeah, come on out. Get tickets. Yeah, I mean, really, the, the late show tomorrow night is, like, now really creeping up. So the, one of your shots to see it would be late show tonight, Friday. Late shot, to, late shot tonight. Okay, Take that late shot. Show tonight. Take it. Best shot. Yeah. Best All shot. right. That works for me. Good. There's cool. no question. Good. So things are good. We were just asking a question uh, in the last hour. Mm-hmm. The uh, We're talking about, and, and it just happened to come up, uh, the classic funny movies, uh, The Blazing Saddles yep. and Animal House and Caddyshack and Airplane, yep. and there were a couple more mentioned. Has there been a, a movie anywhere near that funny in the last five years? In the last five years? I would put Anchorman in that category. I always thought the Anchorman movies said, were yeah. just... Yeah, they're up there. I mean, I'm a hu- we're a huge fans of Wet Hot American Summer. That came out maybe 10 years ago. No, it was about 18. Eight, 2000. Wow, was that yeah. 18 years ago? God, in what? five years. Wet Hot American Summer was, in our opinion, just funny from top to bottom. What else has come out recently that was just... I don't think they make those movies. I mean, when Naked Gun came out, that was, you know, again, that was from that period of time. Here's here's how important Airplane was. And even in our development and, and, you know, and as wanting to be comedians comedians, and and the type of comedy Mm -hmm. we loved, our parents 
like they never did this, but they invited all of our friends over and their friends over, and we had airplane on VHS. This was like early, early VHS. Oh, God, yeah. And yeah. we watched airplane with a bunch of people at our house, almost like it was like a movie theater, and everyone was like, it was so fun to watch it raucously with a bunch of people. Yep. It just was, it said to us, because we never did that with any other movie, okay, this is important. You know what I mean? It was actually they made it important that we watched that movie, and it just was so funny. There's you so just, much. You just watched Napoleon Dynamite with your kid, and you thought that was pretty. I funny. watched Napoleon Dynamite with my oldest More daughter, who's twelve. Funny. More weird, but she really connected with it. Thought it was very, very funny. I did as well, though. I, I did. I thought that movie was very funny. Uh, the older brother's great. Just the slice of life <laughs> in that. The older brother was so funny. He was just. I mean, everything about and the it. Was... The uncle was. I met John Grease, the guy who played the uncle, who also, you know, great movie. One of a very underrated, hilarious movie where Val Kilmer was hysterical and was real genius. And John Grease, the guy yeah. who played Uncle Rico, played Laszlo Hollyfeld, the guy who lived in his closet, who was the sweepstakes winner, like the lived in Val Kilmer's closet, in, in Mitch's closet, the thing. I mean, he got like there's a system to go down to where he was. And I mean, that was. He was he was fantastic. He's been around forever and a really great guy. But he talked about how he when I just met him at this thing. He talked about how much he loved doing Napoleon Dynamite and working with the Hess brothers. Well, um, I've always enjoyed that movie. I heard a and this is weird, but I heard a commentator on the NHL Network uh, on Sirius Radio talk. He talks about how when young people graduate from high school, school his sons, daughters, nieces, nephews, cousins, whatever. He gives them a, a DVD pack of like these are the movies you have, have to, watch to watch so that to you get through life. And it's slap shot, yep. airplane, yep. it's uh, um, blazing saddles, and a couple other movies. I would put Fast Times at Ridgemont High up there as well. I just watched that in its entirety, and I thought, man, this is, every scene is great. Every scene yep. is just. If it's not really funny and it Sean was really Penn's funny, best role. Sean, I mean, greatest role. We yep. we look at that as like I'm sure Sean Penn probably wants to distance himself that you know from mm-hmm. that, but he really captured what it was like to be one of those stoner surfing dudes. He did it better than anyone else. And like, <laughs> think did. about think about how every other movie after that tried to duplicate that character in the '80s. Yep. Like they just tried to reduplicate that character, and you can't. I would do say it. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is up there. I think that in Love terms it. of comedy and in terms yep. of a story and a show, that that's definitely up there. Yeah. I mean, well, now we're at the point where we're trying to show our kids movies that we watched, which is always you sure, you know, you try and do that. You go into that with the highest of hopes. You're like, I'm going to reach into my past and then meet my child in the present. And then we're going to walk hand in hand into a rainbow future to get that never happens. No, no, no. <laughs> they ruin, <laughs> they ruin the movie for damn you. movie for you. And it just is like, really? yeah, they ruin it, man, because they just uh, Jay tried to show his son. I, I tried to get my son because he was doing Taekwondo. He's nine into Karate Kid. And I was like, let me get him this movie. And I made the mistake of getting it for him on the iPad, which Ugh. is too much power for the kid. Because uh, with a finger, they yep. can toggle to any point in the movie and watch it over and <laughs> over and <laughs> over again. To the point where you hate it. Yeah, like the, the he loved that all-Valley Karate tournament scene at the end, which uh, we all loved. Yeah. At some point, but now, like I've seen it more than the people who edited the karate. Kid. <laughs> That's right, and you know that's how much that. I've seen it. It's, it's just it's madness. terrible. And and the crazy thing is, like PG movies back in the day, 
They were like, there was no PG-13. There was always something in a PG movie from the 80s where you're now going to have to have a conversation with your kids that you didn't, you wanted to wait until they were going through puberty to have that conversation. You're like, oh, God, I got to touch you with this. PG-13, PG in the 80s was like everything that wasn't Porky's. That's you it. You know what I mean? That's it. <laughs> That's true. So you That got, is true. I mean, 13 kind of gives you that edge. Do you think that it's just they're they're so afraid they're going to offend someone that movie makers just won't do it? Yeah, I think that's that's a big yeah that's a big part of it. You can't just I don't think there is that freedom to just go out there and let it fly however you want to do it. It just isn't. I, you know what I watched the other day that I that was again I thought hysterical from top to bottom was Vacation, the original Vacation. There was just that period. I, I mean, I watched Fletch, which I love yes. Fletch so much, yep. but I watched it again with my daughter, and it was good, and Chevy Chase was incredible, but it didn't make me laugh as much as, you know, you watch Caddyshack. I, we watched Caddyshack on a plane recently, and I was like, right. their performance in uh, Bill Murray, it, it actually, I always wasn't in love with Bill Murray's performance in Caddyshack until I just recently watched it and I was like he is yep. doing so much funny stuff that I just didn't catch the first time around Meatballs I loved him in Meatballs that was a great movie oh yeah about camp. Summer Camp yeah unbelievable that's but very quickly sure I just uh, we were in Punta Cana mm-hmm uh, with a bunch of listeners, and I was flying back. I had to fly into Miami, which, oh my God, don't ever go through customs in Miami. It's <laughs> yeah, a horrible it's, it's terrible. Oh, <laughs> hours and hours, or whatever. It, it was an hour and a half, but it felt like about two days. Right. But in any case, we're, we're flying back, and uh, the flight attendant did a great job. He did a really nice job going around everybody and taking care of everybody and making sure everybody was good and all the rest of it. But he said something, and it just struck me like, this is where we are now in this world that you have to say something like that. Mm-hmm. He's bringing around the cookies for everyone after their dinner. Mm-hmm. And they have a choice of a snickerdoodle uh-huh. or a chocolate chip cookie. I know it's coming. And as he, he said to them, um, we have cookies here. We have your selection of cookies. You can either have, you may have a snickerdoodle or a chocolate chip, but I don't want you to feel any pressure to choose one or the other because we have lots of them. So don't feel pressured to pick one over the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, now we're if actually. It comes to the day when I start. Yeah, yeah. We're sensitive to the cookies feelings. Look, I, I think oh, the snickerdoodle God. shaming has to stop in America. Can we stop <laughs> shaming the snickerdoodles of America? I mean, let's let's just be a people and let's say all cookies. I'm are staring equal. at I'm staring at a black man right now, and I'm not afraid to say snickerdoodles lives matter. They do. Yes, they do. They're yes, just they as tasty as chocolate chips. That's yes. right. They're just as tasty as chocolate, they, and they deserve the same. I can't believe like who was going to be offended by that? Literally, who is that <laughs> flight attendant trying to protect Tom? I that I just stared down at my tray table and I didn't it. I didn't want either one of the cookies but I just thought if it gets to the point where I'm feeling pressure oh my god which cookie should I take yeah. I don't uh, I can't take it give yeah, me one of too both much and pressure. leave me alone yeah one, give me of, both. one of both <laughs> and let's just stop talking about this right now yeah I mean I, we have become sensitive which you know is as comedians we're always trying to find the line where's the line and then you got to step over it just to make sure just to keep everybody honest you know what I mean so yeah. where's yeah. that line and and the and the line has moved a lot you know I think people are really 
really sensitive. I feel like because of the current political climate, we've lost a lot of like the ability to, to make fun of ourselves. You know, people don't admit that they make mistakes anymore, and that's really hard. So I feel like it's our job to kind of either through making fun of ourselves or just literally coaxing out what are the things, the blind spots that people have. We have to like put it out there in, in, in the public. Uh, the movie no, Vacation. No yeah. For a short second, put East St. Louis on the map. Oh, yeah, it did. I mean, that is an uncomfortable scene to watch in there. That's something that I was like, all right, that doesn't hold up as well as I would like it to. Uh, but no, it holds up very well. As you can tell, I'm not from East St. Louis. No, no. East St. Louis is <laughs> still a rough area. Yes, I mean, it is. It's still a very rough area. Like, yeah. of the houses that are still standing up in East St. Louis. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, it, it was... Two things about East St. Louis. Its major export for Hookers, a while was strippers. No, for a while it was athletes. Yeah. Yes. Jackie Joyner, Kersey, Kellen Winslow, senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Winslow, senior. Johnny Pole, mm-hmm. on and on and on. And the other one was at one time they sued the federal government. This was in the uh, early '90s, I think. They sued the uh, federal government for two million dollars just to get trash picked up and the street lights turned back on. I mean, that was not... It was, as kids growing up, it was like, do not go over, go there. over there. Just right. don't go over there. I'm sure you heard that as well. Right. Just don't go over there. Right. And, and, you know, there are parts you, you just have to be careful where, where you're going. But I definitely thought that... I watched that on scene and I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> I don't know. And you, there's... I mean, definitely, there are things you couldn't make today. You just couldn't do that right. today. You really couldn't. No. You get heat. No, and I think... We are talking about that, even though the movie was completely rewritten by Richard Pryor, that there is no way they'd make Blazing Saddles today. Not Absolutely not. You certainly couldn't use the N-word. I mean, you certainly couldn't no. use that in there. That- even, though, even though everyone who used it was made to be a fool. Every single right, person yeah. who used that thing was... The people in the town were infinitely dumber than Cleavon <laughs> Little. Little. Mm-hmm. He was, by the way, and could he was the best. I mean, I, I mean, just take the scene where they, he, take the scene where he meets them for the first time, and he pretends to take himself hostage, hostage. <laughs> and they all believe it. He's crazy enough to do it. <laughs> Hold it. He's crazy. He just might do he, it. He might just do it. And that that moment is the moment where you're like, oh, they're the fool. Mm-hmm. He is the hero. And right. you kind of see what, right. and you do see what Richard Pryor was trying to do. And it's so funny because I know they wanted Richard Pryor to play that role. They really wanted him to play that role. And I have to say, I thought Cleavon Little, Richard Pryor would have been great because right. he's just great and was great in everything he did. But yes. I thought Cleavon yes. Little was it was a stroke of genius because he was cool. He was yep. great looking. He was, you know what I mean? He was. That unbelievable mix of handsome and could pull off the comedy. Just hearing him say 15 schnitz and grubens is my limit. (laughs) That's my limit on schnitz. That's my limit on schnitz and (laughs) grubens. Made me laugh every time. Every time. Well, those scenes with just Gene Wilder and Cleavon Little. Well, that one scene where, where he says to him, What do you want to do now? And Gene Wilder says, well, we could play chess, yeah. we could screw, yeah. and Cleavon Little goes, let's play let's chess. Play chess. <laughs> exactly. Let's play chess. I mean, how great was, yeah, I, I literally look at a talent like Gene Wilder and just truly unbelievable in that movie, and he just, everywhere he was, every single movie he was in during that period of time, he, he just 
lit it up. Lit it up and in a very specific way. He was so specific with the way he acted. It was brilliant. Hey, hey Tom. But there have to be young actors out there now. There have to be young actors out there now who would be that good, but they just won't let them. No, yeah. no. Well, you were talking about um, Chappelle letting the world mm-hmm. in on why he stopped the show. Well, he really let the world right. in on, on the last thing Special. He, yeah. he did for Netflix. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how he was comparing his life to Iceberg Slim. And I know you've read that. Did uh, you read that book? Mm-hmm. Tom, I know you've read that book before. Yep. And yep. Uh, what he was literally getting to was how it wasn't the fact that black people were getting upset with him about making uh, whites laugh at us. It was his fear that he was being pimped. Well, that so that's so by, literally by it, Comedy Central. I can tell you what it was, truthfully. Okay, you watched that last special with Dave Chappelle, and Chappelle is someone we know and truly love. Okay, right. as a person and certainly as a comedian. All right, you watched that last special, and the moments where he could just sit with his thoughts. What he was so good about is like presenting like a very real statement and then undercutting, and then undercutting it. it. But he needs that yeah. dramatic pause of just sitting there. Now, when he was at the tippy top of his, you know, was he was at the very tippy top of his uh, game and he was doing his thing, he sort of. What was crazy is that he like couldn't even he couldn't even he would say like take a pause for a second and. Hang is on, that you? I don't think that's me. Is that you? We will be right back. <laughs> oh, we'll be right, we'll right after We'll this. take a right back. And we'll and finish, finish up. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. If you will meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me <laughs> Thank you. There. 
That's very current. <laughs> it's so current. What's very so, current. Is I that the new fit, Ariana Grande? I want to. I'm a big Ariana Grande from Minnesota. <laughs> All right, so I I want to finish my thought, which I completely went off track yes. on. But the thought was that, like back in the day when he was doing stand up and Chappelle's show was really big, he would say he would take a pause in one of his stand up shows and someone would yell out, "I'm Rick James, bitch," and you'd say to yourself, <laughs> "He he couldn't." Basically, he couldn't control the show the way he wanted to control it. And you watch no. him in these specials, and he's controlling the tempo. He's controlling the emotion. And as a comedian, that's what you want. You you don't want the pace dictated to you by your audience. That's you why we hate like why people who who come up to us afterwards, and if they were talking in a show, audience members were like, you can't do that at a show. And they're like, why? I was helping you out. I was giving you something to like play uh, off of. I'm like, no, you weren't. Uh. Because we have a plan of how we want to do it. And, and the whole audience is involved in that plan. And we want to take a pause here, a real long pause with nobody saying anything. Because it means something to us to take that pause. And so I think stand-up to him at that point, which he loved. Remember, stand-up is what he loved even more than the sketch stuff, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Stand-up to him at that point became the show had made him so famous and to so many people, but people were, you know, and he was a, he was a victim of his own fame. And then he made, did a very sort of dangerous thing for his career and sort of left. And he left all that. It's like when Barry Sanders, like Mm -hmm. left, retired. Yeah. And everyone's like, what, you're not going to play another five, six, seven years. But Barry Sanders might, have his mind. And yeah, Barry Sanders might that. actually be a normal human being and not have to eat his food out of a straw when he's 48 years old right. or 50 uh, years Robert old. Robert Smith, right. too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the point is that, like, he took that, he, he did a very risky move and, and left. And then for him to then come back, come back 12 years later and not only come back, but come back with such strength in these last four specials, specifically the last two specials, and do it exactly the way he wanted and get paid all that money he left on the table from Comedy Central, but do it from Netflix and be known for the, what he wanted to be known for, the way he wanted to be known for it. To me, much, I'm like, that respect. is so much respect for that. Well, what's interesting about what you're saying is, and, and I, you know, obviously I get up very early in the morning, so I cannot tune in to things I'd love to tune into. But what is really killing it on Comedy Central right now? Because there might be something, but I wouldn't know it. I mean, I think the new show, Jake Weissman, our buddy, his show, Corporate, is really interesting and smart. But I don't know that it's killing it. I don't know that it's killing it. I I mean, Drunk History is killing it. Drunk History is killing it. And that is a great show on on Comedy Central. That was killing it. But, you know, beyond that, I don't know what is. I really don't know what is. It's like The Daily Show. I like Trevor Noah as a person. I don't think he is Jon Stewart. Uh, obviously, they they the shows terrible. Uh, it's just not John Stewart anymore, and so like right, that right. hurts. And you know, again, no more Colbert. No more Colbert. That's difficult. And you know, I even so it just is. They're they're kind of losing out. They're losing out to other stations that have that have better stuff. Yes, I think that is true. I, I just the only thing I will say about Trevor Noah doing uh, the Daily Show, and I don't like him on there at all. But at least it's not Steve Harvey who does every other show. <laughs> yeah, Steve Harvey. Actually, doing. Steve Harvey is going to be doing our late show tonight. Yeah, I hope you guys don't mind. It's just going to be <laughs> him with a hula hoops, just looking at a kid being like, and just twirling around on a Segway scooter with dead eyes. With dead. Eyes. 
Honest to God, what does he have? Fifteen TV shows. I'm like, who? Like what? Remember when he sent that memo out? Like, do not look me in the eye. Don't talk to me about. I don't want to hear about what is going on in your life. That's good for morale. Jeez, Louise. I'm like, who do you owe money to? Who do you owe money to that you need twenty five shows? Come on, man. He's got some shows. Man, he's got some shows. Have you ever heard his his morning radio show? No. no. It, I'm assuming he doesn't it, do any of it, right? He just pops in and, and says one thing every hour. Or does he run it? I haven't heard it. He well, he starts every morning off with a with a Christian prayer. Oh, okay. Nice. Which is rather interesting. I mean, good for him. Nothing's, a, nothing's funnier than that. You know. All right, fine. Nothing's <laughs> funnier than a, a good, uh, you know, Hail Mary or That's Our right. Father or whatever. Right. Right. But, but the life interesting life. thing is, if you tuned in, you would not know it's Steve Harvey. Oh, really? Because he is way over the top urban. He's trying way too hard to be down with the yeah. homies, as yeah. they used to say. Yeah. He's trying way too hard. I mean, I think it's like w- JB's the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, at at one point, <laughs> you are really trying way too hard yep. with all this hockey yeah, talk. Right. With all this hockey well, talk, wait, wait till you see this picture that I'll show you before you go. What did you think of that? The when the Blues were in the playoffs and they had the one like they invited the one like African American St. Louis hockey fan who and, had never been to a hockey game before, and he started live tweeting the uh, hockey game. It, and it, that, I didn't see uh, that. There, oh, you go back and watch it because. There is joy. So much joy. First of all, he loves it and he's never really watched hockey before ever because let's face it, there just aren't uh, to me if you, there aren't a lot of black players, although there are more black there, players in the league. There are at least one per team now. So now there are more. Yeah. But like for years there wasn't. For years called Grant Fuhrer and that's it. Grant Fuhrer and Pokey Reddick and that was it. <clears throat> But yeah, like, they were mostly goaltenders. Right. right. Just mostly they were the ones getting the puck shot at them. Right. And so <laughs> it – but now they're like – now there are more and some of the biggest players, you know, P.K. Subban, who we right. did we did a comedy show with him. He hosted this comedy show that won an award up in Canada, Montreal Comedy Festival. We got to meet him and you really understood like what a humongous – like he came to Nashville and instantly made them great. Right. He's so like he, a. St- he's like to me. One but I just think like it's just not a sport that many black people are like. Well, I want to get into this. Well, you'll be like I said. You'll be surprised there. And I'm not kidding you. There's at least one black player, black per, player team. per team now. Some so, teams have two, and some teams have none. Some teams have one. Most teams have one. I think it is really important because it's a whole it's, hockey. Seeing hockey live, I would say to anyone who hasn't seen it live. Get a seat behind the goal. Don't yep. don't sit on the sides. Mm-hmm. Get a seat behind the goal so you can watch how Place, the action happened. Watch plays forms. start. Watch yep. play form. And watch guys jump off the bench and come in and that whole thing. There is a beautiful art to it, and it is so fast moving. It is. It is. I took my kids, my daughters, who you know really have no hockey basis whatsoever, and they loved it. It was so cool. You know, it's an interesting. It's an interesting sport. I grew up. In a very urban neighborhood, my high school hockey—we didn't even have a hockey team. And then one year we got a hockey team, and we lost every game about seventeen to two. <laughs> it was just horrible, right? You guys so were playing on roller skates, right? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, but but it's interesting. Uh, Cliff and Bo Siegel, two got two friends of mine in the mm-hmm. record business because I, I worked at Capital for a while. Mm-hmm. The Siegel brothers are the ones who introduced me to hockey. I didn't know. I mean, I'm from. I was born and raised in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about hockey because of where I grew up. I didn't know anything about it at all. 
Well, it was I, to me like the as blues fans. I mean, we were from the nor- the old Norris division when it was the blues and the North. Right. Oh, when you yeah. had the North Stars and Dino Cicerelli yep. was fighting everybody, and I mean that was mm-hmm. to me that was like old school. It was a great sport. It really was the fourth sport when we were growing up. And and now I put it behind curling. I tell people all the time in in that in that age, the people I had to listen to. Or you guys may have heard too. Listen to for sports were Jack Buck and Dan Kelly. Jack Dan Kelly did. Yeah. Dan Kelly did hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an ABA team. The Spirits of Spirits. Bob Costas. Bob Costas mm-hmm. was the radio person for that. Hall of Famers across the board. Right, and you know. Yeah, that's right. And they're t- these two guys are too young to know, but. Harry Carey was with Jack Buck in St. Louis. I remember that. I've watched the World Series yeah. games that he called. I, yeah. Harry Carey was great, but Jack Buck was, I mean, Jack Buck was a legend, like beyond. The beyond. best ever. The best ever. Yep. And, and His yep. call of Kirby Puckett's home run. His, and, 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 oh, and then okay, so, oh, so here's the story about us. So we, his call of Kirby Puckett's game six home run, balls flying out to center field and Jack Buck says simply and we, we will see, see you tomorrow, tomorrow night. night that's all he that's said, all he said. Yeah. and then he let the the screaming fans and the whole thing play for itself so then when the cardinals when david freeze hit the home run game 6 in 2011 for the cardinals uh this is right after jack buck died his son right. joe buck who i know gets some heat but we actually love him and know him well he says simply, and we will see you tomorrow night, to honor his father. Now, we had just lost our father a year before. And so, oh, yeah. same thing, same thing. And that moment, we missed it because we were jumping around and screaming. Our friend <laughs> texted us uh, side by side both those calls, and he said he honored his dad in that moment. And it was I almost started crying, and I was like, that. how sure. lucky were we that we had in the 80s, in those years where the Cardinals were good. Hey, Cardinals Twins, 87. I mean, I remember that yep. series like it was yesterday. And th- we had Jack Buck through those years and Mike Shannon both. Well, the the odd thing of the Puckett home run, I was at that game. Were you really? And didn't see it. Wow, well, how did you not come? see it? My son, who's now 28, almost 29, uh-huh. was a young infant. And we had to. He was a young, as opposed to an old infant. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. an old infant. <laughs> yeah, they're old infants. Yeah. He um, he was at a one of those, I guess you call it daycare centers, but it was at nighttime. And mm-hmm. if you didn't get back at a certain time, they started charging you like five bucks a minute. Right. That you were late. Yeah. And you're like, nothing big is going to happen in this moment. <laughs> what am I going to no, miss? No, we were like, it's going extra innings. We got to get. I looked at my wife at the time. We I, mean, I get, don't want to pay an extra eight dollars. So well, we got to uh, get. I, well, we didn't know that. Was isn't that happen. the Jack Morrison game too? No, no. The next game is the Jack Morrison game. Jack Morris. It's right. Jack Morris. Okay. Morris. Jack Morris. Yeah. Morris. Yeah. Morris. Not, not he's, he's a Red Sox. When did yeah. Michael Bryant show? He just show walked he in. He showed just, up in a suit and he's talking he's calling about Jack everyone Morrison. Morrison. Yeah, Jack Morrison leads him to the doors. Yeah, leads to combination of both. But I'm. So I looked at her and I said, "We gotta go." So we laugh and I stick my key in the car door and, you and just I hear, hear the cheer roar of the crowd wow, from you. the Metrodome oh. and I go, "Oh, that's it!" And she goes, "What?" And I said, the "Twins just won." You knew. You I knew, knew just by from the sound. That's amazing. Uh, I I almost love more that it was your decision to leave and not hers because now you can't be <laughs> mad. Oh, yeah. at her. No, oh, yeah. no, no the hurt. person I've always blamed and been mad at is <laughs> her. Oh, your son. It is his fault. But it's like you know, if it wasn't for you being so young, we could have stayed and watched history. Being but. such a young infant. Into deep left center Listen. from Mitchell, and we'll see you tomorrow night.
Unbelievable. See you. Okay, tomorrow. now get David Freeze. Now get David Freeze's home run from 2011. From 2011, Joe Buck, and just listen to his call. It is an ode to his father. Everyone who wants to crap on Joe Buck, please stop. He is he is a good announcer. And he he's knows an what amazing he's doing. announcer. Well, and people in Minnesota hate him because of the Randy Moss moon yeah. incident. Yeah. Fine. You know what? Randy, Randy Moss. Moss I watched, <laughs> I watched, I watched, fine. I, fine. I watched Randy Moss's, uh, and, and really one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. I watched his The Rand University uh, yeah. for 30. My oh, favorite yeah. moment is how, how quickly he glosses over stomping on someone's neck. Like, just as if yeah. it were something like saying, yeah. like, yeah, I just went to the store. He's like, I just stomped on his neck twice, and then that was it. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, you don't say I just. Here it is. Here we go. Nothing else. We'll see you tomorrow night. Look at this. Freeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. He ah! took the same pause. He took the same, same pause, pause between we will see God, you. that was beautiful. Tomorrow nice. night, God, and that, that was, was probably the yep. best moment of our fandom in, in our adult Tom, uh, sports. these two guys that. right yeah. now believe that Minnesota sports has more going than St. Louis sports. Oh, I do. Absolutely. All the, way. the T-Wolves are so fun, the, and, and they're, they're good, fun, no, and they are yeah. the team of they the future. Are. I actually think in a few years, once Golden State and Houston sort of their, their players sort of die down a little bit, you're going to see the T-Wolves and the Philadelphia 76ers battling it out. That's going to be the epic Ooh. battle. Are, are you like a sales guy for the Timberwolves? No, no that's, I a call just, I, that's a call I get every year. I, just, I, I am just uh, a fan of the league. I'm a fan of the league, and I and I think that that is the next. That's the next wave. I think the Lakers, the T Wolves, and the 76ers are the teams of the future. Wiggins is going to leave. He's not going to leave. He's upset with the, what's going on with the team. Why, and why would he be upset with a team that's he trending like upward? T-Wolves. He doesn't like the coach. Well, well, he doesn't like Kibito being yelled be at. Gone. Well, so he could be gone before Wiggins. That's gone. a possibility. I, I yeah. really do believe it. I believe you've got enough pieces in place that you don't want to mess, mess with, with that. And will that owner let 76ers actually be good? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> he doesn't seem to want to win. It's, he wants not, players not, just not to win. It's not, Tom Dole, it's not James Dolan of the Knicks, you yeah. know what I mean, who like has yeah. that terrible blues band. James yeah. Dolan's blues band. James Dolan's blues so band bad. is a reason for a player not to go to the now, Knicks. I, I listen to James Dolan's blues band. There's like a clip of them playing online, and I'm like, I now get why Oakley wanted to choke you. <laughs> he was doing us all a favor. Like, why did the security stop him? <laughs> no, but I do think Minnesota sports, the, twi- the Twins are great. The Twins are trending. They're trending, great. They're they're trending, trending upwards. They're tr- hopefully. they got and a good guys, manager, and they've got some things. But we'll see what happens once they, what the, the pitching mean, look, gets set and what happens with the you guys, boy in right like, field. Look, you, 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 you traded away your closer, and then you weren't made the playoffs. Like, well, I was you. I'm a Red Sox fan, so you know. So, <laughs> I mean, listen, the the Vikings are great. The Vikings got rid of Case Keenum for a more expensive Case Keenum. I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Zip yeah hated that's Case exactly Keenum, right. Though. You went from Mr. Pib to Dr. Pepper. Congratulations. Which, by the way, yes, they're both soda, correct. but I don't know if I'd give a. I'd pay eighty five million dollars guaranteed for one Dr. Pepper. You're right. I know. I so, know. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. 
We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. I've heard this guy sing before. <laughs> He's pretty good. I did. I saw him out in L.A. when he did like 18 shows at the Forum. Nice. And I had Mary oh, J. Yeah. Blige open up for him. Who Mary J. Blige was in our big episode of Entourage, and we got to meet. We got to meet her and her entourage. She had an entourage with her at the show. And here's this, a great story about it. This so, is, so Mary. So what? What, what was Mike? So we played these characters on Entourage in a twin pretty agents. big episode. Oh. Twin agents and my. Jay's Jay's my character slept, slept with, with Randy my character's, character's wife. wife, but then they fired Uh-oh. me. But Ari fired me because I wasn't producing as much as him. Anyway, I came in with the complaint. So uh, my character's <laughs> name was Jim, and yours was Jeff. Jeff. Jason's was Jeff, and mine was Jim. Okay, and so we're doing the whole show with Mary J all day, and I, I just want to go up to her at some point and be like, "I love you, and you're fantastic," but I don't want to geek out, and mm-hmm. I want to do my job and be professional. <laughs> So end of the day, I go up to Mary J. Blige and I say, hey, you know, it was great working with you today. And it was her last day and our last day of the week. And I said, uh, just want to say just a huge fan. And thanks for making all the great art that you do. And she looked at me and she was like, thanks, Jim. <laughs> and oh. that's neither of our names. And so I just said, yeah. I just said. Yeah. It's, Jason just turned to her and said, said it's Jeff. Because, uh, because I thought it would be too much to explain to her that. I'm not playing me. We're not real agents. This I know is not, you're playing Mary this J. This isn't Hollywood. This is a set. Oh, my oh God. My it was so funny. It was classic. Oh. Classic. But she was so sweet. But I watched her open up for, for Prince at the Forum. Holy smokes. Was he good. Oh, man. Yeah. The best quite, of the best. Quite the talented young man. Oh, man. He was all right. No getting around it. Mm-hmm. No getting around it. No sad, getting around it. Sad he's gone. Sad he's gone. Nah, yeah, at fifty-eight years old too. That I, I, I tell a story. I brought up the Siegel brothers earlier, Cliff yep. and Bo Siegel. Yeah. Yep. Well, Cliff was at Warner Brothers, and and Bo was at uh, Electra Atlantic. And uh, tomorrow night, Cliff was around at the very uh, the very beginning of, of Prince's career when yep. he was seventeen years old. A guy named Owen Husney discovered mm-hmm. Prince, mm. and I went over to Cliff's house one day, and there was this <laughs> yeah. little tiny black kid there. Yeah. And I walked by and I looked at him. I went, hey, how you doing? And he goes, hi. <laughs> I mean, literally, he just Soft. went, hi. Yeah, that's it. And so that was my big conversation uh, 
with Prince. That's that, one that of the most people get. Conversation with Prince. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's more. Most people yeah, got you, to talk to. Prince, you got but. a lot. So I would. I would look at that. And say you got a lot out of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> he it's did. Amazing. Stop talking, Prince. Uh, that is amazing. I mean, what a what an unbelievable talent. And and I also loved how much he repped. Minneapolis and Minnesota and you know the fact that he had Paisley Park out here the fact that, that he re- played first recorded half. so much you know our buddy Harmar Superstar who is a great musician sure. and great from this area yep. we were just hanging with him last yep. night he's he's moved back here he lived in LA for a while lived in New York for a while and he's moved back here and funny I, dude really funny, funny guy. guy smart guy and the truth of the matter is in my brain, I'm like, Prince made it okay for musicians who normally would live on the coast to live here and do their music here. You kind of say, well, Prince did it. Why can't I? You know what I mean? I think that's amazing that he actually made it cool to even live here and, and do your music here. Yeah. And him and, and Timmy, or uh, uh, Lewis and, uh, what's the other guy's name? Why am I? Jimmy Jam, Jimmy Jam and Terry, Terry Lewis. Lewis. Sure. They, they had the two studios oh, yeah. that oh, made yeah. a difference, and, oh, yeah. and it created a really good environment for musicians here. People right. would come here to live mm-hmm. to yeah. do music, to do their music, and wear big coats like that. So they were warm. Yeah, I know. Man. <laughs> I'm so cold. He's sitting here in a park. J- Jan, I, look, and by the way, I know that like there are people out in Minnesota today like wearing shorts. You know what I yes, mean? Like, there are. A baby yeah. heckled me and Jason the other day. I was like, "You guys are wussies." I'm like, what? Why for wearing gloves? I'm like, "You're three. Get out of the stroller." and start walking okay lazy you're not a, lazy god come on man yeah but it's going to be 67 degrees back in st louis today. it is it is it's supposed to be 50 tomorrow i can imagine just people with their shirts off oh, it's yeah. going to be crazy yeah. here it'll be nuts every time when you know i talked earlier about working for capital records i was from 77 to 82 and st louis was part of my territory yeah and i used to and it's still there because i was just in st louis <laughs> last year I used to go to Tony's all the time, man. I love Tony's. Tony's was one of our again. favorite places. That's that where we pizza? went on our oh, si- no, no, no. It's a beautiful Tony's. restaurant, and it, that's where we went on our 16th birthday. Is Tony's the one where the maitre d walks backwards up the stairs? Yeah, because he never, yep. he never wants one. to turn his back on you. That's wow, really it's a cool. brilliant yep. restaurant. Oh yeah. Great he detail. He walks up the stairs. <coughs> what kind of restaurant is Fantastic. it? Italian. Italian. Great Italian oh, food. I mean, incredible Italian food. <coughs> and I'm sure you went to Ted yep. Drew's when you were there, the best frozen custard yep. in the world. But, uh, yeah, you, I mean, we, we have such great memories of, of St. Louis growing up. It was, And we love taking our kids yep. back there. They actually love going back there. Take a good barbecue in St. Louis? Yeah, there's a great new restaurant called Salt and Smoke in the okay. Loop. Which is next unbelievable. You know, you know where the loop is, right across from Blueberry Hill, Tom, and it's right near a Vintage Vinyl Records, which is a great record. Great record store. Blueberry Hill is in U City, though. Blueberry Hill is in U City, and that's where this play, the Loop, yeah, yeah. Del Mar. It's and that's a cool little area. I love it. I mean, it's not uptown. It's not Embers. Is Embers still open? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, late no, night no, at no Embers. Embers. No more Embers. I told. I did tell, tell JB they have done an amazing job with the riverfront in St. Louis. Oh, yeah, they, yeah they, get, they get rid of the McDonald's boat. I didn't realize that. Remember the old McDonald's <laughs> riverboat? I worked on that thing. You worked on that boat? For a summer. You? Yeah. What'd you do? It's a, it's a McDonald's restaurant. Right. And you worked in the McDonald's restaurant? Yeah. Was, I didn't know you worked for he McDonald's. Worked, he worked up in the paddle through. <laughs> I didn't know you were a Ray Cook guy. Uh, yeah, I used to no turn in my paddle like through joke. I uh, know. But cooking is calling someone a cook at McDonald's <laughs> is like, it's like calling McDonald's. It's them. like calling McDonald's a restaurant. <laughs> McDonald's is not. If the tables are nailed to the floor, it's not a restaurant. They, every, if there's pictures of the food on the cash register, it's, it's not, not a, a restaurant. restaurant. Every 4th of July, every 4th of July, they would uh, set now. National records for the for the amount of food sold in a in an hour. Yeah, because the fireworks day, are right above it, right? right? An hour, a day, a weekend, and a week. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. people just 
Because they'll in and out. Because what do you time. what do you want to add to the experience of eating bad McDonald's food? Explosive Motion on water. That's right. And explosive diarrhea. <laughs> explosive. <laughs> explosive diarrhea. Fireworks style diarrhea. Very negative. It's like, it's nice. like Tom, very negative. Tom, I showed them the photo of me playing goalie with your mask on. Yeah. With your face yeah, on my mask. He's got my face on his mask. Is that unbelievable? That is terrifying. It's, it's kind of a great, it's it's a way to honor you. Yes. <laughs> I think it's nice that's, that's the way nice. I look at it. Right. Yeah. It's an ode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. You know, you know, Jim, Mary Blige was right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jeff. It's Jeff. It's, it's Jeff. Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> it's Jeff. It's Jeff. Uh, exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you. You know, I, I love when, when people come on the show and we talk, about, we talk about different parts of the United States because people don't do that, and I don't know why. But I will tell you there are only two places I've ever been in the United States that I didn't really care too much for. Now, there's some places I've never been, so I don't know. Look, New Orleans is an okay town. I'm yeah. not knocked out by it, by it, like most people. Yeah. But some people just love New Orleans. It's just not... I'll tell you what, though. They're, they're, the food is fantastic. It's unbelievable. And that, I love the was, attitude of the people. The attitude of the people, it's just so loose with everything. Well, last time we were in New Orleans, we're checking into our hotel in the French Quarter. It's like a Marriott. Okay, mm-hmm. this is part of like a yep. big chain. chain. This isn't a mom-and-pop thing. And we're at the desk, mm-hmm. and the guy checking us in is like, you guys want a beer? And I was like, yeah. yeah. So he reaches down and pulls out a cooler and opens it up, and he's like, three, three bucks. bucks. I was there can, for cans of beer. I'm like, three bucks. I'm like, there's a bar 50 feet from here. That the, Does the hotel know that you're selling this? This is like you got a side hustle. Our favorite, oh, yeah. Orleans, our favorite game in New Orleans is to play uh, drunk or injured because usually like, there's Why like, is that guy limping? Is he drunk limping. or injured? He's either drunk or he's injured. That's, or both. Describes most people in the French Quarter at 2 a.m. My two favorite sightings in New Orleans were uh, we're standing there on the sidewalk and suddenly Jesus came by dragging a cross. (laughs) That was cool. And then seeing an 80-year-old stripper. It's yeah, just something you just never see. Just, <laughs> I know. She's trying her best. She, trying her oh best. man, that's bad. Ma'am you, yeah. ma'am, you drop something on your fl- on the floor. It's both of your breasts. Oh yeah, uh, there you go. No, it's, <laughs> Tom, Tom, they weren't. The Scarborough brothers were not happy that I referred to the hill, though. Yeah, as Yeah, can't do that anymore. I mean, so Tom, no you will love you will love this project that we did. I don't know if we talked about it on your show earlier today, but we have a project coming out on Audible.com uh, this yeah. April fifth yep. uh, called Scars and Stripes, where you know we went to ten cities over the course of 13 months. And whenever we go in to do stand-up in a town, we like to try and experience as much as we can of that town. It sounds like you did that when you were at Capitol. You try and experience as much of the town as you can, and then we try and write comedy about it. So we set ourselves the challenge. Plan lands on Thursday. Can we write 10 minutes of material about this place? By Saturday night. So you hear us kind of go through the experience, what we're experiencing in the moment, and then how do you turn that idea into a funny thought, into a joke, into a fully fleshed-out bit on stage? And then we interview people after the shows and ask them if we got it right. So we did 10 chapters. Each chapter is about 30 to 40 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, uh, 10 cities. And then at the end, it's a full audio book. And then at the end, we'll pull the six six most universal minutes of stand-up out of each city. 
and we make a comedy album. It's called Sklars and Stripes, the tour tapes. So that's coming out on April 5th on audible.com. And it is, but it's all the stuff we're talking about right here. It's everything you're seeing. So we went, so what was amazing is the very first weekend we did was San Diego, the weekend after the election. Oh, so so what happened was what then followed is probably the most tumultuous year in American history that I can remember. And where most people retreated to their bubbles. Mm -hmm. If you're a liberal, you went to your liberal bubble. If you're a conservative, you were in a conservative bubble and ne'er the twain shall meet. We, as comedians, we got to when the, you get the call, you got to go and perform there. So here were the states we went to in the in and the that cities year. we went to. We went to Portland. We went to San Francisco. We went to San Diego. We went to Tulsa, Kansas City, St. Louis, Houston, Bloomington, Indiana, Madison, Wisconsin, and Denver, Colorado. Okay, wow. so. A bunch of red states, some red cities in red states, some blue cities in red states, mm-hmm. some purple cities in purple states, and then some blue states. So we were all over the map, and we really got a chance to see kind of what everybody was dealing with. So it is an unbelievable timestamp on this crazy year as to how we're Americans dealing with it. And truthfully, our goal was, can, can we, we just, make everyone laugh? Can we make everyone That's laugh it. just by pointing out what's so ridiculous about each town and, and what are the blind spots in every city? And and I feel like we did it, but it was definitely a definitely – a, a huge mountain to climb at times. Cool. Oh God, there's no doubt about it. We we were talking about yesterday the fact that uh, Stephen Hawking died. Stephen Hawking did on Division Bell. Yeah. Did the song Keep Talking. He did narration on it. Yep. And just listening to that after all these years, that was twenty was it twenty four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he he said all we have to do is keep talking. And tw- that was twenty four years ago. And that's. That's the last thing we do now. We don't talk to one another anymore. It's crazy. We're either on social media yep. or, or, or we just won't talk. There, there's no there's no forward progress any longer because we don't talk to one another. I hate that, and I'll say this. When we were in Bloomington, Indiana, we were walking around the college campus where you'd expect people to be talking to each other. Everyone was on their phone. No one was looking at each other. Hundreds and thousands of kids silent on the campus, just shuffling their you feet. Go, if yep. you go to like where my kids play on their playground of their school at nine years old before they have phones, it's the loudest thing you've ever heard. It's right. like a concert. It's kind of beautiful yeah. in that way, and that's why I actually love yep. doing live comedy to hear a room full of people laugh at something collectively. collectively, and they're not looking on their phones. They're focused up at one thing, and it becomes a group experience. That is to one me of the last. I think one of the, it, it's great that we can still do that because I, I never want to lose that. It's just so fun. Yeah, I think that I think it's a wonderful idea. And look, I've been a fan of you guys for a long time. You know that. Thank I love you. Great you on to us. Thank you. Because what's well, it's very intelligent uh, comedy. You know, it's just you know, you're not prop comics. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> we're not going to see the watermelon break in there. No, no. there's no Gallagher. I don't action. have to wear a suit tomorrow no, night. You don't have to no. wear a baggie in the front row. <laughs> Although he said, wouldn't it be funny if like Gallagher, the comedian, like bequeathed his act to. The Gallagher brothers from Oasis. That would be a, how <laughs> great would it be if at their concerts they were just <laughs> smashing watermelons? Are those fantastic. the lead guys yeah, for Oasis? Yeah, yeah. Because the one brother used the, to get yeah. high and go upstairs and scream. And the other at the one band. sang the song. He'd, he'd scream at the I, band. I saw that documentary. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable indeed. I love the fact that you went all over the country and experienced different things. One of the most amazing things, I think, the most amazing thing. And it, I, you probably had to be there, but I had some business to do in Biloxi, Mississippi Biloxi. one time, mm-hmm. several years ago. We've been there. So I fly down to Biloxi, and I am at the Beau Rivage, which is a very, very nice uh, casino, resort right. casino. Yep. And I, as I'm walking up to the desk, there's this stunningly beautiful Asian woman behind the desk. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just it's stunning. Mm-hmm. 
uh, very clearly Asian. I walked up, and she says to me, and I quote, how y'all doing? Y'all checking in? <laughs> like, what the hell? It's brilliant. But it's amazing. It's brilliant because it happens. She's there. That's where she grew up. But you, you, I never considered that to be a possibility in the world. <laughs> so I learned something new that day. You, and you have to get out. I into mean, wasn't Biloxi, Mississippi, where they have the best yes, so Vietnamese? There's, there's a Vietnamese grocery store. A family that, that a yeah, Vietnamese family that owns it that down owned, that makes sanwiches. Not far from that. Casino that you just mentioned. <laughs> the banh mi there. It is steak banh mi sandwich that I had there is one of the best yeah. like wow. Vietnamese dishes I've ever had. Nice. Biloxi, Mississippi. Unreal. You guys are as good as it gets. Thank yeah. you, brother. Tonight you. at Acme. Tomorrow night at Acme. The tickets are selling very, very quickly. April 5th, you said. April 5th is right when Sklarzy totally. Stripes comes out on Audible.com. You can pre-order it now if you go to the Audible.com page. Always a great time. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Thanks Tom. Tom. Appreciate it. We'll be back. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Where is Now, the worst song ever recorded. What the hell is this? That's what I'm asking myself right now. <laughs> you know, is that L.A. Nick singing that? No. <laughs> Might as well be. This is the single that he released. It's not mine. This is the single he released. <laughs> I got to run this by you guys because... Uh, there's a thing called the Studio Think Tank that Wise Brothers Media puts out. And uh, Brady in the Morning at WKLR in Richmond, Petersburg. I don't know where. So that's Virginia? Richmond, Virginia? Or Russia. Not sure. Well, it wouldn't be a, K- no it wouldn't be a K station in Virginia, would it? WKLR. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. I misheard you. Uh, but but I I think that's Richmond, Virginia, but I'm not sure Petersburg. I've never heard of Petersburg. I've heard of Parkersburg. Remember that one? Oh, Petersburg, Virginia sounds familiar to me. 
Okay, well, there you go. So it, so it probably is Richmond, Virginia. But anyway, Brady in the morning came up with his idea. I was just reminded of this yesterday when visiting an old co-worker. I just wrapped up my show at the last station I worked at. GM pulls me in and says, we are doing our best to keep you here because we believe in you. We want you on this team. You work hard, and this uh, decision isn't a reflection on you, but we have to cut your salary for budget reasons. That wasn't the bad part. But it stung because my ex and I had just had our daughter, and it was a $20,000 a year salary cut. I wasn't making anything to begin with. There are words I have to edit here. Uh, To begin with, uh, this was a better alternative to losing my job. I'm thinking I could deal with this until I get out and find a stable place to work. Now, here's the bad part. As I was gathering my thoughts and coming to grips with what was happening, he looks me in the eyes and says, you have to understand we have to sacrifice. I'm in the middle of building a $25,000 back deck, and I'm not sure if I'll finish it this year. <laughs> wow. So wow. I'm spending 25 grand, but we're going to cut your salary by 20 grand. Well, Got to get the money somewhere. Captain so the guy I went to visit yesterday. <laughs> the guy I went to visit yesterday was my old PD, and he was there. Both of our jaws dropped. I walked out of the building pretty pissed, but I knew my salary cut was so he could hit his bonus to get the deck taken care of. Yeah, I mean, it's a hitting bonuses. I, I go through this stuff all the time. Uh, what is the worst thing a boss ever said to you? Do you guys, we can go to yours first. Is there something a boss said to you, the worst thing a boss ever said to you? Can anybody think of one? Because I'll go it. through some if you can't. Think. I can, I can think of a few, but I don't really want to say <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. If you, you know what Paul said to me once was, uh, here's a pretty good one, actually. Uh, a guy named Trumpy tweeted in, uh, not said to me, it was said uh, to the chef when he was firing. Uh, I was with the chef when he was firing an employee, and the employee said, but I'm a hard worker. And the chef responded, yeah, well, Hitler was a hard worker. Wow. <laughs> what? Jeez. What kind of thing? Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's not acceptable. I'm no, sorry. Not acceptable. Uh, in any case, the uh, worst thing ever said about John uh, Arroyo, you will never make it in this business. You have incredible street smarts, but you just aren't cut out for broadcasting. Well, that's not that bad. That's been said to everybody. Brooke Summers, GM, told my PD to pull me off the air because I, quote, sucked and had no talent. My PD refused. Found that GM years later when I was PD and AM show talent. And he wasn't even in radio anymore because he was caught embezzling money. I think he was working at a car lot. Oh, geez. Uh, that's, that's the part I had to get to. I was working probably, at a car lot. Probably auto nation. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Uh but I, I don't think a boss has ever said anything like that to me. On the, they've called me on the phone and fired me, but I just I've never not in person. My, my publishing so no, my publishing company told me I was a really shitty writer. <laughs> well, that's kind of like a boss because yeah. if they're your publisher, yeah. that's yeah. kind of yeah, like your boss. You really suck at writing. <laughs> you really suck at writing. Well, you thank know, thank you, thank you so much. It'll all work but, out. But they gave me the deal. Yeah, they did. The book is uh, we have the book sitting on our uh, our dining room table. As a matter of fact, Catherine read uh, the book just what three days ago. A mm, couple of weeks ago, actually. Well, a couple of weeks ago now mm-hmm. already. Man, time is flying by. Speaking, I'm still trying to put all of his wisdom to use. Speaking yes. of books, Catherine, I brought your Paula Poundstone back. I was cleaning my office. And I'm like, I think I borrowed oh. this from Catherine uh, last summer and forgot to bring it back. So, did you read it? I did. It was really funny. Yeah, she's funny. I like her. It's all true. 
So, L.A., it sounds like you've calmed down a little bit now. So, you got everything off your chest? No, I'm just oh, trying geez. to be quiet. So, destroy the whole show. Oh, you're still worked up? You're still worked up. Told oh, you yeah, I woke. But you do every Wednesday. I you destroy the show every Wednesday. Why change now? I'm, try- I'm trying to find contractors. And I don't think anybody wants to work anymore. I, like, nobody wants to do anything yeah. anymore. They just don't want to I work. I can find Amen. you a contractor. No, I'm trying to find somebody that pours concrete. They're like, oh, we're booked for two years. Like, every, every contractor. I've been watching you do this. Why don't you just contract a gen, contact a general contractor? I'm a general contractor. Okay. But you don't have any connections. Oh, you are? Yeah, I pulled my own permits. I, I see. I, but I just, Usually the GCs will be you know affiliated with the local suppliers. <laughs> yeah, that costs way. a lot more money, Doug. Yeah, I know. Like, like $40,000 uh, more money to do it that really? way. Really? Oh, yeah. Do you have a GC? Did you try Able Concrete? I have not had a chance yet because I had to come do the show. Okay. I got I got that recommendation from somebody in my office, so. Everybody's so and, and I, getting and somebody like poor concrete's like finding hen's teeth. Really? Apparently. Yeah. So you, how much concrete do you have to pour? A lot. <laughs> I have to pour well, the like whole. What's a, what's a lot? Uh, well, not a lot. In their, in their world, not a lot. To me, a lot. It's 37 feet by 26 feet or something. It's the whole the whole oh, so arena. That didn't be that big a deal. Oh, did you tell Alex about that yet? I, Alex knows about it. No. What? Oh, you do know about it, Alex? About what? Well, Nick's going to do something that involves your childhood and Andy's childhood, actually. And uh, I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to until... destroy it all. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, you're going to make it much better, cool. actually. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. So yeah, we'll just we'll announce that whenever you want to. That's a, it's a yeah. cool thing actually. Next week maybe we'll talk. It about is for it. yeah, it's good for me. I mean, it's, oh, it's it, good it, for it, you, yeah. I, it is, no, I mean, it, no, no. Actually, it's not that big a deal for me. It's a good thing for Catherine. Uh, but anyway, no, it's just the fact. Hey, that, happy uh, wife, happy can, life. It's what they tell me. No, tr- trust right. me. Point. <laughs> My wife is sitting next to me. What do you want me to say? No, that's BS. Forget it. I couldn't care less. Doesn't work less. that way around here. Not really. I have to. Uh, I have to read this story because it's really. You know, Alex. We did start watching um, Silicon Valley. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, oh my Aviato T-shirt showed up last week. Sure. You got you one. Got I your Aviato T-shirt. HBO sh- a store sells them for eight bucks. I know. I was going to get Dan one, but he has so many. Frickin' t-shirts, so... They don't take you guys are going to be very sad. You're going to be sad about this news today, then. Oh, no. You know that T.J. Miller was fired from from uh, Silicon Valley. He's yeah. coming in this week. Yeah, I, I know he is. Okay. T.J. No, Miller's he's coming, coming in, in this week? He's coming into... Or is it next week? He's coming into House of Comedy or something. Oh, is he? Yeah. No. I, look, he's I think he's funnier than hell on there, but he might not be coming into town. I don't. Yeah, I think you might be. I think you're wrong about that. All right. Yeah. Here we go. April nineteenth through the twenty second. So he's going to be at House Comedy. Um, I think so. I hope. I hope he's coming out. He might be coming in to act me. I don't know. But anyway, I'm I, wrong. But you're. But I'm right. No. So I acknowledge get, the fact that. Let <laughs> me read the story. Well, we don't know if he's coming in here. Oh. Let me let me read the story. Mother okay. Because I'm a big T.J. Miller fan. I think T.J. Miller's hilarious. Uh, I thought he was the only good thing in Deadpool, and I like Ryan Reynolds usually, but I thought Deadpool is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but I thought T.J. Miller was really good in it. Who was he in Deadpool again? I barely remember that movie. Okay, yeah. He was a bartender. T.J. Miller was arrested 
uh, Monday night by the feds for calling in a fake bomb threat on a train. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. What a weird thing to do. Yeah. Well, it gets worse. Drug related. No way. It sounds like he did it just to get back at another passenger. Here's the deal. Back on March 18th, TJ was on a train from D.C. to New York when he called 911 and said there was a woman on board with her bomb in her bag, but he gave police the wrong train number. So authorities stopped the wrong train, which was in Connecticut at the time, yanked everyone off, and sent in the bomb squad. This is all real, by the way. This is not speculation. The feds are involved in this. Oh, my God. So they uh, didn't find anything, so they contacted Miller, who was in New York at the time. He described the woman as having red hair and a red scarf and said she was acting suspiciously and seemed to want to get off the train and leave her bag behind. The cop thought Miller was slurring his speech and asked if he was drunk or mentally ill, which he denied. When officials determined that what train Miller had been on, they met it at the nearest station and inspected it. Again, it was clean, but the attendant on Miller's car told them he had downed several drinks during the ride, was already intoxicated when he boarded in D.C. In fact, they had kicked him off the train because of his condition. But before that happened, T.J. was involved in several, quote, hostile exchanges with a woman in the same car. After speaking with the woman and the attendant, investigators determined Miller had made the whole thing up just because he was mad at her. T.J. was charged with a federal crime for making a false report. It carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison. He was released yesterday morning on a $100,000 bond. T.J. was on HBO Silicon Valley until he parted ways with the show last year, uh, supposedly due to issues with drugs and alcohol. You'd also know him as Ryan Reynolds' bartender. Yeah, buddy, uh, a weasel. Yeah, so we don't know if he's going to be it or not. He was also the star of the cinematic masterpiece that was the Emoji Movie, one of the worst, worst movies ever made. And he was the voice of a glob of mucus in commercials for Mucinex, but he lost that gig not long after he was hit with a sexual assault allegation. So he has been charged with a federal crime. Think that? Think uh, calling in bombs or fake bombs will get you on the no-fly list? Yeah, just... yeah, I, I, I do think it'll get you on the no-fly list. So I don't know that he's going to make it in for that show. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I think T.J. Miller's terrific. I thought he was wonderful on Silicon Valley. I've seen his stand-up act before. I've talked to him a couple times. Very nice guy when I talk to him. But apparently he might have a drug or alcohol problem or something. I don't know what the hell's going on with him. But Most comics do. Well, that's true. But once the feds are involved, you got real problems. That's not good. That's all I know. Don't be calling in bomb threats. That's... TJ, what are you doing? Um, Did, are you still watching Silicon Valley, Alex? I don't know when the new season, is it out? Is it happening? That I don't know. Your mom and I are, are, are just catching up. We went all Because it's like been on for five years, hasn't it? Season yeah. five yeah. is, uh, let's see, looks like it started like maybe last Week or two? Yeah, a couple. Of, oh, okay. The last couple of weeks, I think. You're yeah, right. season five, episode one thirty in March twenty fifth. Has anybody seen the zoo yet? That I recommended a couple weeks ago. No, I have not seen it yet, but I do want to watch that. It is awesome. You have to watch. You have to catch one episode. I'm going to see Blockers tonight. Oh, that's terrible. We'll see. That's just what's trash. Blockers? It's it's Blockers, and they have a picture of a Rooster. male chicken. It's it's a comedy. Oh, that looks Leslie, horrible. Leslie yes. Mann's it's in horrible. it and it's John Cena's in it. It's a horrible it. movie. I don't know. My friend was oh, like, God. let's go to a movie on Wednesday night. I was like, okay, what do you want to see? I just can't see um, whatever it's about. It's about parents stopping their kids from having sex when they're on the prom date. 
Yeah, oh, it's like, that's right. Prom, prom dating. Yeah, yep. three okay. girls made so a sex pact to lose their virginity on prom night, and it's one mom oh, and two God. dads stopping them. That typical nineties mm, blockbuster yeah. garbage. It's the exact movie. kind of movie that uh, The Simpsons has made fun of a thousand times. So they're rooster blockers. Get it? Yeah. yeah. Oh my no. God! You're going to see I'm that? I'm going. Funny. I'm going to see it. Because all I care about is... I've lost all respect for you, Alex. Popcorn and candy. I don't have high expectations, but there's nothing else that I... Here's the thing. My friend asked me to go to a movie, and I can't go to a movie until after I put Fawn to bed. And it has to be... And it can't be too late, because or else I won't get enough sleep. And so it was like, at how about something at 8.30? And she was like, oh, let's go see Blockers. And I was like, sure, whatever. I, I don't care. I'll watch yeah, it. Maybe there's a couple of laughs in it. Yeah, Who knows? I'm not expecting anything great, but I'm going to eat my popcorn. You get a couple hours away from the old ball and chain, Shit. though. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that goes over well. That's going over well. Uh, how about some random facts for you? Although there are a couple of them, I don't know if you want to even hear. You produce between one and two liters of nasal mucus every day, and you wind up swallowing most of it. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you for that. That's like Dan the other day was looking at his computer, and he was like, oh, my God, look at this. And he shows me this picture of a spider with, like, 3,000 tiny spiders stacked on top of its back. Uh, And now they're in my hair, and I can feel them everywhere all the time. I know. I can feel them. All right, we'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, we've been talking about North American Banking Company for a few years now. One thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated. Well, how does that benefit your customers? Tommy, projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners. A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action And that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. (laughs) 
That's great. L.A. Nick comes in and Molina's manic depressed. Yes. <laughs> you know, as manic depression. That's the whole deal right there, ladies and gentlemen. I can cheer you up, though. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about a thing. I didn't know this. You know those inflatable dancing tubes you see outside car dealerships? You know where they came from? The wacky flailing... What are they called? They're like... Their literal name is so long. Yeah, wacky is, waving yeah. inflatable arm flailing tube, man. Yep. Yes. They've only been around I, since 1996. Why is that? I looked this up once, but I don't remember. You see them outside car dealerships mostly because the gorilla on the roof was uh, getting too expensive. Yeah. Well, Apparently. probably they'd uh, tie it down improperly and then it would blow away and kill someone or something. No. Has an inflatable gorilla ever blown off a car dealer roof? Uh, we don't the, have those. You, know, you have to go to, uh, like, Rudy, well, Rudy Luther or the Auto Nation <laughs> if you're into inflatable gorillas or army straw men that wave their arms around. No, that was, that's always been an Andrew Walzer rule. He goes, we're gorilla-free since 2003. We're gorilla-free. It's true. I know bounce houses used to get blown away all the time because oh, people yeah. are too stupid to tie them down. It's true. Very true. Uh, they've been around since 1996. They were originally invented as part of the opening ceremonies for the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. Uh, That's where uh, they came from. Weird. I didn't. I had no idea that was true. I didn't Have you ever? And have you seen? Like they wouldn't fit in there. Well, they probably Atlanta? weren't the same thing, right? They probably. They said they different. were. Oh, really? They looked exactly. Yeah, the same. unless they were. The 1996 Olympics were very zany. You know what? If, yeah. if it's the first time you've ever seen something, it's always you know yeah. like oh, that's kind of cool. Exciting. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It doesn't that become ridiculous until later. That's absolutely true. There's actually the inflatable tube man family in a commercial now. Yeah, the, the family's commercial. waiting, looking out the window. Them. Is is it a car commercial? It is a car commercial it's for a car car website. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. This I did not know, and then we'll move on to more depressing things. Oh, good. It's just been that kind of day. There are people who speak many different languages in Queens, New York, more than any other place in the world. Queens, New York, there are people who speak how many different languages? 22. Oh, I would bet it's probably 80. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. 800. Wow. I doubt that very much. Says there are people who speak 800 different languages in Queens, New York, which is more than any other place. That sounds like KFAI. You know, that's because that's. If you're, oh, would you? No, you're oh, gonna, oh, my God. Here we go now. Good God. Oh God. If, you're, uh, that, if, if you're really a fool. Don't write in the newspaper that I said that because I didn't. You'll be lying. Okay. Uh, <laughs> No, if you're really a foodie, you, you want to go to the uh, outer boroughs. Everybody thinks, oh, Manhattan's got all this cool food and all this. So all yeah, the new immigrants yeah. from all over the world can't afford to live in Manhattan, so they're out in Queens and mm, so that makes on and so forth. So. That does make well, sense. Well, I, I yeah. think the Minneapolis Public Schools has 75 different languages that they have uh, they need do, to, yes. that they accommodate. Yeah, so. but 800 is just like, that has to be like every language. Is it like nuance, you think, Andy? It's languages I, with nuance? Yeah, yeah, I wonder if it's like, you know, all... 30 different dialects of German they speak in Switzerland and that kind of thing. How many actual languages are there? Well, at least 800. Uh, well, the problem is it's difficult to um, qualify what a language is. Yeah, dialect. Because it's like, or, you know, yeah. yeah, it's like there you could find two people in America who couldn't understand each other, but they're technically speaking the same language. Yeah. Get that in Minnesota alone. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's yes, like, what's have, a language and what's a dialect yeah. and what's an affectation? It's you had, hard to say. If you had like someone from the Iron Range, Iron Range talk to somebody from the Bayou, there would, 
that no yeah. one would understand a word. If you have somebody from downtown Minneapolis, someone fits an elephant talk to you, you wouldn't understand what you're saying. Ebonics. Yeah, that is true. Andy, do you know anything about the Troxler effect? Troxler. You ever heard of the Troxler effect? Uh, there's a picture going viral that looks like a bunch of random color blobs, but if you stare at it for just a little while, it disappears. Oh, yeah. Like it's, the rotating pink whatever the hell? Yeah. It's because of something called the Troxler effect. When you stare at something long enough, it causes your eyes to adjust and make some parts fade out of your vision. And the way this picture is designed, it makes the colors fade. And since some of it is white, it just turns white like the page. It will disappear if you stare at it. Yeah, this is, oh. this is the one I'm familiar with. Is that it? Oh. Oh yeah, is that is that like the remember you those stare magic at the plus for long enough? Just like I don't know, Dad might. Be so will all, will all the will all the pink will disappear? Yep, yep they just, they're starting to. Uh-huh. Yeah, really? Because this this one's yeah, different. This weird. one is just blobs. What were those weird? No, we can't painting, see it. This is radio. Paintings. Magic well, no, eyes. Yeah, magic that's, eyes. That's what I'm it's the same thing, isn't it? Cross no, your very eyes. different. Oh. Uh, I was going to tell people they can go to the Huffington Post and then read those lies, but look at the picture. Well, the Troxler, the Troxler effect, I think, has to do with the fact that most of your vision is actually in black and white, except for the very center. Yeah. But your brain fills in the color of your peripheral vision based on what it remembers. So if you like, if you pass a, uh, you know, a square of red on the wall, it'll still look red in your peripheral mm-hmm. vision. Even though technically you're not seeing the red, it's just your brain saying, "I remember this is red." But eventually, it'll forget. Right. Just I just stared at this for about a minute, and it did not disappear. Why well, that is that? Tiny little picture. That's not. Oh, it's too big. I have to blow it up bigger. Yeah. If you click it, there. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that's... although generally when I, I mean, it should. Well, Tom's be... staring at a picture yeah. on his computer. It's fascinating. Mm. Reading. No, I just, I just want to know if it works. I just I'm going to do it later. I just looked it up. It says many believe the number of world languages is about 6,500. Good But there are God. actually 7,106 living languages in the world. Good God. I had no idea there were that many different languages. I had, I had no clue that well, was true. Like I said, I mean, well, a language can Linguistic mean, Society is saying so. A language what do they can know? be they many know. things. They should know. That's all I know. But, but they're like, that might not exactly be right. Well, yeah, because well, it's still, like I mean, what there's a tiny little village with three people, and they speak their own language, and that yeah, how are they to know that? Well, I mean, every country in Africa has a different language, so yeah. that's a lot, right? Just in Africa, well, and like vill- yeah, yeah, like every is. little village can have their own language. So, uh-huh. remember that comedian on the Tonight Show many years ago? He said he started studying uh, yoga and meditation, and he said. And Johnny, he was like acting like he was serious about it. And Johnny's going like, well, so what do you do? And he goes, oh, you just sit there and and you you close your eyes and they give you a mantra. And he goes, well, what's a mantra? He goes, well, Johnny, I mean, I can do it in front of everybody, but, you know, they'll know your mantra and and your mantra is supposed to be. Oh, Mani Padway Om. uh, (laughs) So Johnny closes his eyes and he goes, okay, John, I'm going to give you your mantra. Are you ready? Okay, it'll be Owa Tafu Liam. So Johnny's on there, he's going, Owa Tafu Liam. Oh, and the guy says, no, say it fast. Yeah, I think I get it. And he, goes, he ends up going, oh, what a fool I am. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. Johnny was not happy that he got suckered in, into saying that on national television, but... What the hell? He was what are you always you remember sport, it though? all these years. 
He was a good. He sport. was a good sport. He was about a himself. good sport. But do do yourself a favor and do not read the bombastic Bushkin's book. We we had him on this show. Uh, Bushkin was his. his uh, Is that like the, the real story of Johnny Carson? Yeah, I uh, guess he was a flaming prick. Uh, just a really, really not a very pleasant guy. And there were many people like he and Bob Hope couldn't stand one another, and it just. Uh, I, I don't want to know. You, do you want to know those things? No. You can't help it anymore. Every, no, I mean, I like, suppose. think of a celebrity that hasn't done something scummy in the news in the past 10 years. No, Ed not Bagley Jr. True. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ed Bagley Jr. is one of them. Although, Mordahl did burst his bubble. Uh-oh. Because Ed Bagley Jr. came on, and, and Ed Bagley is big into the uh, ecology and all the rest of it, and he's... Ed Begley Jr. is one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to talk to. He's yeah, a great guy. Yeah, but he makes Al Gore look like the CEO of Standard Oil. He does. You're absolutely right. So he said uh, that, that that morning he made his toast. He gets on his bicycle and pedals his bicycle. Oh, that's the guy, that guy? Yeah, it's Ed Begley Jr. Right? I see. So he the pedaling the bicycle powers the toaster so it toasts his bread so it doesn't burn any electricity and he was all proud of it and happy yes I made my own toast I didn't use any electricity and Mordahl goes how much CO2 did you expel through your mouth (laughs) I would just tell tell that guy he's an idiot it's so sad though he was all proud of it until Mordahl peed all over his theory well this this Focus on CO2. CO2, it's very short-sighted. Because there's a whole lot of other stuff out there that's a lot worse than CO2. Well, Well, we need need it right now because we we need this global warming thing to start kicking in around here, man. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) This is getting ridiculous. I wonder if we could just... I wonder if we could just make little bubbles of CO2 in certain places and <laughs> Stay uh, in your house actively heat up the world. Because this cold crap's got to go, man. You know how everyone is talking about how annoyed they are with the weather? That's how annoyed I am with people talking about the weather. They told your mom <laughs> well, to bite it be... on Facebook this morning. <laughs> you did? Yeah. yeah. Catherine posted something told you like, to bite it? Oh, yeah. is everybody spring, sick of spring? I said, everyone. you're in Florida, bite no, it. No, I didn't. I said springtime, anyone, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but you're in Florida where it's 80 degrees. So. We're a little crabby up here. I'm not crabby. Only I'm for just, 48 more hours. I'm really annoyed. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys aren't going to like what you're coming back to. Oh, my God, put on a coat oh. and move on with your life. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It really doesn't bother me that much. It's so ridiculous. It's all anyone is talking about right now, and I'm like, put on a hat. It's 46 get in your degrees. Car, That's... Move on with your yeah, life. Today's nice. Put on a parka. It's sunny. Cover today's, up the baby belly nice. and just move on. Exactly. It's like complaining about it. Is that going to make anything better? No. Stop. 46 degrees, I think, is nice. I it's like that. It's 50 tomorrow and partly cloudy. Fantastic. Yeah. I went to the zoo That's yesterday. Like the, it was. Oh, it was pretty chilly, and it was cloudy all day yesterday, but I was outside at the zoo. You should have come by. I live two miles from there. Oh, really? Yep. I like That's it That's cool. There. Yeah, it's mm. a nice area. Though they built the million-dollar bicycle bridge to nowhere at the zoo. It's <laughs> yeah. the stupidest thing what in the world. What a waste of money. You know when you're driving, that, oh, that bridge, bridge that goes over? Yeah. What a waste of That's money. That's a bicycle. Yeah. There's no yeah. bike pass there. It's I was like, going to say. And there's no people not, that live there. Yeah. What a waste what? of money. What? It was just If I owned stupid. a city, I would have them create this... A one-way road that just spirals around and eventually just leads to like a wall. Well, that's the that's the tunnel to nowhere in Saint Paul. Yeah, and just then like Maryland once you get to the end, nowhere. how are you going to get out? Because there's cars behind <laughs> they, you. They have lots of those in Europe. 
Yeah, they're t- t- I'm not surprised. Like that in Europe. Yeah, because Europe was designed around walking when yeah. you know before way before cars existed. Carts. Yeah. And what are you gonna do? What can one say, right? Well, do, do you know what the um, the first traffic fatality was? What? No. I know the first guy that got that speeding ticket. I just learned that the other night on uh, I think it was Jeopardy. I'm not sure. Darkness Dave guy? lives six blocks from the zoo. Alex. Oh, really? Yep. I gave him oh, yeah, all that makes sense. my I kids uh, Nerf uh, collection because they'd outgrown oh. it. So yeah. he and his boys. You know, he got all the Nerf collection? Oh, oh we had a whole just bas- laundry baskets full of weaponry. Yeah, Nerf stuff. Well, that's <laughs> a good thing. They showed up, and his, there's like these eight-year-old kids there, and their eyes are like, Nerf thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bridget oh. Driscoll was the first person to ever be killed by a car oh. in 1896. Was she jaywalking? Um... <laughs> I don't know. She's a woman. You think she's doing something wrong? She was on her phone. Jaywalking back then. She was texting. (laughs) No, there was not. Witnesses said that the car, the car was driving at a reckless pace. See, which was four miles per hour. Four (laughs) miles an hour at a reckless pace. Reckless pace. Can you even? I wouldn't even think that you'd be able to die. Okay, here's a question: Car going four miles per hour. How many people had been killed by horse and wagon? Hit by horse and wagon before that. I'm oh, sure lot, way more than that. Who yeah, doesn't know that? That's <laughs> common knowledge. That's I mean, I'm sure a lot first, of people were killed by horse and wagon. The first guy to ever get a speeding ticket was a, a taxi driver, I believe, in New York City. Can't remember his name. Naturally. But he was doing eight miles an hour, and he got a speeding ticket. <laughs> yeah, cars, well, wow. cars were different. I like the so coroner right. said that I hope such a thing will never happen again. Oh, well, oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Since the, yeah. since 1896, yeah, a couple of people have been hit by cars since then. So a couple, yeah, yeah, a couple. You're absolutely right. L.A. Nick, you're going to be ecstatic <laughs> yep. uh, in and our so next segment here, and so is Doug. Actually, Doug, you'll be ecstatic with this too. You know who Jake Brown is? I don't. Parent. No, you don't. Sounds like a very generic name. Uh, his book is called names, Beyond though. the... What? I'm You're bad, bad with names. names so yeah. I probably know who he is. Beyond the, Beyond the Beats, Rock and Roll's Greatest Drummers Speak. He's written a book about drummers. What do you think of that, well, man? That's a hard book uh, to we'll write. I'll have to do all the drummer jokes. <laughs> I think he's going to say something about Neil Peart, and you're going to get all at, mad at him. The way you know that the oh, drum... Oh, no, that's... Uh... Never mind, I'll tell it later. No, you can tell it now. How do you know when the drum riser's level? Because the drool comes out of both sides of the drummer's mouth. (laughs) That's really... We'll be right back. Jake Brown, our special guest next on Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more. And please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Start the new year looking great and feel even better by losing 20 to 40 pounds with help from my friends at Ultimate, powered by Nutramost. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, you'll receive 20 to 30% off all programs with Ultimate's New Year's Resolution Sale. Do what I did, and let Dan and Neil Sheehy and the staff at Ultimate help you change your relationship with food forever. 
With the help of Ultimate, I lost 41 pounds and another 42 pounds in each of my two 40-day programs. Debbie P. from Anoka lost 31 pounds in 43 days. Cheryl S. of Webster lost 36 pounds in 43 days. And Ron D. from Lakeville lost 57 pounds in just 43 days. Live your healthiest life starting today. Schedule an immediate consultation and receive 20 to 30% off all programs for a limited time. Call Ultimate, powered by Nutramost. 763-333-7337. This is actually what it sounds like inside every drummer's head. <laughs> My head, sure. I was a drummer when I was a teenager, so I understand that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our special guest, Jake Brown. His latest book, Beyond the Beats, Rock and Roll's Greatest Drummers Speak, a holy grail for rock and metal drummers of any generation. This book features the stories behind hundreds of their favorite beats, whether the reader is a fan, streaming his favorite hits by each band while reading along to how they were created in the studio, or a young drummer learning how to play each song by these superstar hitters. Beyond the Beats gives a real look behind the kit at the power and pain it takes to stay on top for decades. Jake, how are you? Oh, I'm great, man. I was cracking up at your uh, your drummer jokes there before the uh, break, <laughs> although surprisingly, uh, these guys are sophisticated machines when they're performing them. You know, you're thinking about a guy like Lars Ulrich oh, coming God. with the athleticism at 50 that he did at 21, you know what I mean, and playing for these these kids in all these countries that, that you know, all they all they speak is the music. They don't want to hear anything slower or less energetic. And, I mean, these, these guys are, are just amazing uh, musicians that, uh, you know, obviously the premise of this book was to try to really delve into the, you know, first who sat them down behind the kit, put the sticks in their hands, go all the way through the hits. Um, and, and so it was a real honor. If I could tell you some of the guys that are in this book, uh, you know, we, we tried to come out with some really strong opening balls. You got Lars Ulrich and Metallica, Joey Kramer, Aerosmith, Tommy Lee, and Motley Crue, Taylor Hawkins, and the Foo Fighters, Chad Smith, and the Chili Peppers, Doug Cosmo, Clifford, and Creedence. That blew me away. Creedence, Clifford, Water Revival, Eagle Toys, Bon Jovi, Matt Storm, Guns N' Roses, Jimmy Chamberlain, the Smashing Pumpkins, Kenny Arnoff, of course, we know from Mellencamp and John Fogarty, yep. Steve Perkins, and James Addiction, and Steve Smith, the Journey. And, and you know, the whole point here was to try to, uh, you know, really give the, the reader, like, a 3D view from, like, Everything these guys are, you know, they're keeping the band going, they're keeping the audience going, they're, they're having to put out all this flashy showmanship. Uh, it goes on and on, you know, Tommy Lee doing these roller coaster, you know, drum sets all the way back to Joey Kramer doing his first drum solo in 75 when Steven Tyler kicked him in the rear to go out there and play. And, you know, Taylor Hawkins talks about how afraid he is every time he goes out to do one of these stadium gigs. It's, a, it's an extraordinary, um, you know, instrument and, and position within a band to, you know, really... Um, contribute and, and dive so much that we wanted to really put a spotlight on it. Do you think people, Jake, people look at drummers, and some of them, you know, they, the old joke about, uh, what, what do you call a drummer, a guy who hangs out with musicians, you know, that all the jokes about drummers. Do you think people have that, that perception? They do have that impression a little bit. They do. Yeah. Do you think they have part that? part of my motivation for writing this book. Sure. Right. Do you think they have that because every time you see a band uh, back in the old days on the Ed Sullivan show or you see a band now on you know, Saturday Night Live or whatever, the drummer's always in the back, always behind the guitars, the singer, whatever. Uh, you've had band, then you had bands 
it's going back a few decades now that had two drummers in them. I, I just I played drums yeah. from the from the time I was about eleven years old till I was nineteen. Had a ball doing it. It was. I tell you what, if you have any frustration, become a drummer because you can beat the frustration out of your body every night if you want to. It's a great thing to yeah, do. Yeah, a lot of energy, too. You know, it's funny you mentioned the kids. Um, you know, the stories that these guys all have, like Chad Smith's dad buying him, didn't want to buy him a drum set right off. He got him these Baskin Robbins, uh, you know, ice cream drum buckets. So that was his yeah. first hit. Uh, yeah. Tommy Lee. Yeah, Tommy Lee on the flip side, like his dad was an auto mechanic and walled off half of his real working garage where he made a living and made a soundproof room for Tommy to play in. And, you know, one of the things in this book that's really cool is these guys really talk about, also, if you're an aspiring drummer, there's so much advice in this book, and there's so much, like, just, like, getting out young and playing with as many musicians as you can early on, putting on your headset and bashing along to your favorite guys, even if you barely get through the beats. You know, John Bonham is heavily attributed in this book in pretty much yeah. everyone's chapter. And then there was a, there was a totally other... Sort of shocking angle of how much jazz you, know, you think with the swing and the feel of these guys. So like Jimmy Chamberlain, uh, Steve Smith, these are real technicians. Uh, Steve Perkins, and you know these guys when they get off the rock tour, they go right into the jazz drumming. And so it's really extraordinary just to see how talented Kenny Arno, my God, the city timpani at University of Indiana and, and orchestral uh, drumming and all. You know, I co-wrote his uh, memoir, and that's how I sort of got the idea for uh, this book. I just read and, that. Um, I just read you know, that two it, months it, ago. It was everyone, really, really good. I just read that book two months ago. It was great. Yeah, he's been on the show before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Kenny Arnold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah we spent good three guy. years working on that book. <laughs> it was a trip. You know, my and, favorite uh, my favorite drummer story of all time is a, there used to be a comedian many, many years ago named Charlie Callis. And Charlie used to come on the Tonight Show all the time. And one night he told a story about, because he was a drummer uh, back in his earlier days before he became a comedian. And he got a call one night that apparently the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra needed a drummer. Their drummer was sick, and they couldn't find a drummer. Is there any way, Charlie, you can make it over and just to, you know play tonight's uh, tonight's date? Uh, we'll we'll pay you some dough. He goes, yeah, fantastic. He gets there, and whoever set up the drum kit, everything was completely off balance. The the the, the stool that he was sitting on, basically, he said, had two operable legs and one was kind of just <laughs> sitting there. So at one point he's playing along, he's playing along with all the songs and all the rest of it, and the chair tipped over, so he fell off oh, the chair. God. And he said, Tommy Dorsey turned around, looked at him and said, goddamn bebop drummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know you know what's funny? Uh, in this book, like you mentioned, those kind of old school legends, you know, Buddy yep. Rich, Gene Krupa. Oh, yeah. You know, these guys were, were kind of like... Yeah, they were kind of like the Beatles at Sullivan moment for a lot of these guys, along with Rango, of course. But, yep. you know, what's amazing, too, is the showmanship that, um, you know, think about for 40 years. You know, Joey Kramer talks about certain fundamentals like less is more in some of his performances and where to stick a fill instead of not stick a fill. And so you get these studio stories that it's amazing how much these guys, you know, sometimes you're talking about four and five different things going on within one song, you know, in terms of layers or shifts in tempo. And right. you, know, you get like Stephen Perkins talks about having a quote conversation with his instrument. I thought that was a beautiful way to put it because there's so, you know, it's almost like if you took a blank canvas, take a drum, you know, take the drum performance out of walk this way. What do you have? Still have a good song, but what yeah. it be? Yep. As great, 
Jake, don't stop believing if they buried that mix, you know, that, that, that performance in the mix. And Steve uh, Smith talks about taking that home and working on it for a night. Mike didn't even, you know, Jack and Diane almost made it, didn't make it off the cutting room floors. I'm sure Kenny told you, you know, he had to come in the last minute and save it with that, that Lynn Drum, you know, famous breakdown in the middle. I mean, arguably, mm-hmm. aside from in the air tonight, those are two of the most famous, you know, uh, fills in the world, you know, and breakdowns. I mean, it's like, there's so many cool additions that drummers put into these these songs that otherwise, you know, they'd probably still be pretty good, but but not signature the way they are. Even like say Tico Torres talking about that opening, you know, role to Living on a Prayer. You know, they just they, they do it. so much to bring these songs to life and keep them all these years entertaining and interesting, along with everyone else in the band. But it's a, it's, it's huge responsibility. As much fun as they have doing it. Yeah, Jake, I tell you, when I was a when I was a teenager, I do remember this very very clearly. That as much as I loved the band, I got to love the band later on, the entire band, what attracted me to the Allman Brothers at first was the drummer. I said, how does he make his drums sound like that? How does he do that? It was uh, phenomenal drumming. Terrific drumming. Well, and and to your point, you know, you also get these iconic, think about stylistically the guys I rattled off. If you want heavy metal, you got Metallica one. What an iconic song. And Lars breaks that down all the way across the aisle. To, to, you know, Tico talking about Bon Jovi classics, or Matt Storm gives us, this, you know, Axel coming up to him, and, and, and you get these great studio stories in this book, too. He says, you know, I need you to come up with a signature. Think about the pressure he's under. He's just replaced Steven Adler. It's the number one gig oh, any German yeah. in the world. And Axel Rose comes up and says, I need you to create a sim- simple fill that's going to be a signature connector between November Rain, Strange, and Don't Cry. I mean, you'd think that was, oh, do, 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 and he jokes about that. You know, like everyone gives him trouble about it, but he could have done 80 things there. And, and so there's all these little nuances to what these guys contribute artistically. When you think about a canvas and what they add, I mean, so much color, and then there's so much depth. There's so many things in their performances that get, you know, unraveled in this book that are pretty cool, too. Um, you know, it, it just runs the gamut, man. And then stylistically, like I said, if you want grunge, you got the chilies, you got... You know, the Foo Fighters, I suppose, you want more modern rock. You have James Addiction, of course. Uh, all the way across to, like, Doug Cosmo Clifford takes us into how him and John Fogarty met in junior high. And then, like, the whole rise of Creedence Clearwater, and he takes you down on the corner. And, like, Proud Mary turned out to be Fortunate Sons beat slowed down. Just little stuff like yeah, that. You know, yeah. so there's a little, little really cool things that we hope, you know, you, you put this book down. If you're a millennial, uh, you can stream along while you read it. You can watch these performances on YouTube if you want to see that those famous solos recreated, those drum performances, live drum solos, and all kinds of stuff. It's really cool, hopefully, with the technology today. Um, it's very 3D. That's the, the ambition, anyway. <laughs> God, you're kind of like, the, uh, kind of like uh, Pink Floyd and uh, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you can watch it along. Yeah, yeah and I'll tell you, if, if you would permit me to plug volume two, listen to this list. So this is just a few names. In volume two, which comes out next year, we got The Clash, Iron Maiden, Eroy Vaughn, Devil Trouble, Free, Dream Theater, Carmine the Pieces in there, Steve Gadd in there, MC5's drummer, Dino Donnelly of the Rascals, John Lennon's drummer, Chicago Pixies, uh, Primus, Santana. So it goes, yes, there's many more. Power, power, but all over the map. But this book we thought was the strongest 12 balls of kind of guys that, and they were chronologically, these were the first 12 to sign on. And these guys, it's a chance that Joey Kramer was the fourth drummer to sign on to this idea, mm-hmm. you know, when I was just first kind of floating it. So I was really grateful that they all were willing to open up as much as they were, and, and, and I gave them my, their word. They'd have as much time as they wanted, and they were they were so frustrated, I think, with the word count. You know, you read a Rolling Stone article, two paragraphs are about the drummer, you know. Um, and, and most of it's about, you know, girls and drugs, you know, whatever the partying, and we try to stick with <laughs> yeah. the music and, and still, yeah. So, so when you're talking, when you so, mentioned Santana, you, did you, you interview Dennis Chambers? No, it was Michael Shreve. Oh, okay. 
Why did you ask? Yeah, that Michael question? Shreve is. Well, his, I mean, they're historically. I mean, he's the one that was in the Woodstock. Yep, that's right. No, he was on uh, all the hit records. Know, Dennis has been Woodstock. playing with him for twenty years, and he's one of my all-time favorite drummers. The guy's just amazing. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I'm, I'm surprised that you, sure. didn't, that you didn't you didn't get Steven Adler because Steven Adler's parts in Appetite for Destruction are just undeniable. Some of the most brilliant drumming to ever come out in the last. Yeah, we're working years. on him for the second book. You got to um, go through his mother, Jake. His mother. Yeah, I agree. His mother gets him to do all kinds of stuff. Well, I'm you not get, kidding you. Brother, she got him on Steven, the show. <laughs> yeah. Steven's, so, Steven's. The hope is that that list isn't done then. And, and then we're doing a female volume of it, too, with Ooh. all the, the you know the big female drummers. So that's the third volume that'll be out in 2020. So it, this is a, we were proud to kick it off with these 12 guys, you know. Um, they, they, you know, you, you guys, so many radio stations, we, we salute too because you guys keep these songs alive for so many generations, and it's like, you know, the, who's still playing the arenas and the, and the stadiums today? It's these two, you know. So, yeah, uh, we're really glad that they were willing to open up about it all. That was wonderful, LA. You played, you were a drummer for a while, weren't you? Yeah, my whole life. Your whole life, you've been a drummer. Well, since I was when I could walk. And what, what? What made you go to? Because my older brother was a guitar player, so I don't no, know. I what think Buddy, drew, Buddy Rich what, is the one who got me hooked from playing drums. Watching yeah, Buddy yeah, Rich, I can see that. I remember Buddy Rich on the Tonight Show and Johnny yeah, Carson. Exactly. Just, just close up of him playing just a snare and me going, "Holy crap, how's he doing that?" Well, the house drummer on the Tonight Show, yeah, was Ed Shaughnessy, was a badass. Ed Shaughnessy, yeah. Inspired. It's funny, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy. Uh, the performance side, you know, Tommy Lee talks about Tommy Aldridge and, of course, Bonham I mentioned. Uh, but, you know, think about guys like, you know, it's fun with this book series. It's, it's, uh, his point, it, it, it really tributes a lot of the guys. You know, Elvin Jones, who brought uh, Tigo Torres along. Um, you know, we mentioned Gene Krupa, Buddy Rich. Uh, there's so many drummers like, you know, Keith Moon, right? We know who Keith Moon is. Yeah. Who knows what a 10-year-old knows that? You know, so right. it's like hopefully when you're reading these chapters that, you know, you, you might also dive back into those cat catalogs because, there's so many people that have passed on that, you know, they're still reverberating. Their beats are still, you know, kind of kind of reverberating today as vibrantly as they were then. You know, I've said this before. I've said this before in a conversation with Rocco. I, I'm a, I read. I can read music. So to be a drummer, most drummers don't read, but I, I can read music. So I can play anything that's put in front of me pretty much, except for Dave Lombardo. You put Dave Lombardo from Slayer's stuff in front of me, and I just... It's just almost impossible to play. So I, to me, he's one of the yeah, most. Dave's com- in the second book. He's one of the and most you know, complicated, point, accomplished drummers of all time, and he's so underrated. The guy's just amazing. yeah, him and Portnoy, definitely him and Portnoy. You mentioned this, and this is interesting. So you know, we all know what a clip track is, right? What a drummer plays along to in the studio. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy Chamberlain and Chad Smith, with the exception of a couple songs, never recorded with clip tracks. I mean, that's how technically. Perfectly, yep, they are. They are. You know what I mean? You guys can appreciate that. Yeah, I get it. Just, I mean, the technicians these guys are. They're, they're like machines. A, they're like a machine. They are. Like Dave Lombardo, Indeed you watch are. him play live. The dude's yeah, like with a machine. Timing. Yes, never, never, yes, never. His tempo's yeah. flawless. I just saw Judas. I just saw Judas Priest live last week, and their drummer was just tempo was flawless the whole show. The book is called yeah, we're Beyond. Working on him, dude. Beyond the Beats, Rock and Roll's Greatest Drummers Speak, Jake Brown. Jake, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Great conversation. Thank you so much, man. Oh, it's our great pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. (laughs) 